In this episode, you beat Steve Jorgensen, my first Pink Panther roommate who holds a unique distinction of being the only member of the Spirit of 76 who I roomed with where my grades actually went up. In fact, they went up enough to where I was able to, to milk them uh, uh, all the way through to graduation. Steve was one of our cadet squadron commanders our first year, and he led the mass purchase of Pontiac uh, uh, Trans Ams our junior year out of a big convoy out of Michigan. It's a pretty, pretty cool story. He became a uh, F-15 pilot after a little bit of IP training, uh, eventually migrating into uh, a long career as an American Airlines pilot, and he now works with all kinds of railroads for fun. So, so the, the question we always start off with, or at least what we try to start off with, is uh, what message do you have for the incoming class, the current cadets, the recent grads, and then the old goats like us? Oh, gosh. You know, that is kind of a tough question. Um, I think uh, set your sights high. Uh, keep your chin up. Uh, don't take your t- don't take everything too seriously and keep a good sense of humor. Cool. And that, for whatever it's worth, that theme has been permeating, especially the sense of humor part throughout all this Pink Panther stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think we were a little bit too heavy on the humor part. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but, but they were pretty heavy on the other part. So <laughs> I, I think it was a pretty good balance. Yeah. So I'm, I'm the, I like to find out. So you mentioned earlier, but what got you there in the first place? To the academy? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, well, uh, two things. Primarily was flying, and uh, I, I, as far as back as I can remember, I've been interested in flying and wanting to become a pilot. Uh, I think it started when uh, I was a kid, uh, about four or five years old, and uh, living in New York City with my mom and my grandfather when my dad was overseas in Okinawa. And uh, we were lived about half a mile from LaGuardia Airport, and uh, my mom used to take me to the uh, to the airport. We'd sit up on the observation deck, and I still have vivid memories of watching these Connies come in and DC sixes and DC threes, and and that that started me on the road. And then uh, you know, uh, I just that was on that was in my uh, you know my sights the whole time was just uh, getting to be a pilot and. Uh, you know, going to the academy was a good way to get there. And uh, also, you know, my dad was in the military, so it was kind of like, yeah, you know what, yeah, military is a, a pretty decent career, too. So that's what uh, that's what got me there. So your dad was in the Air Force? Yeah, he was in the Air Force. He, uh, he started out, uh, you know, in World War II like everybody else, and uh, he was in the pilot pipeline. But as the uh, war started winding down, uh, you know, they just took a big chunk of guys out of pilot training and they sent to... Uh, uh, B-29 flight engineer school with the promise that, you know, after the war, a war ends, you know, when we have, uh, you know, openings and stuff, then uh, we'll send you back into uh, into the pilot pipeline. But uh, that never really, that never happened to him. And uh, he was always disappointed about that, you know, about not being a, uh, a pilot. And he kind of lived, I guess, vicariously through me. But, uh, you know, I'd take him up in a simulator uh, when I was an instructor in T-38s down in Del Rio. And, and then uh, later on, uh, down in uh, uh, Phoenix, uh, when I was uh, teaching at Luke, and that guy had a pair of hands on him. And uh, later on in life, I had a Cessna 182 and took him up in that. And that guy, man, he was a good pilot. He would have been a great pilot. Well, that's, that's, that's cool. So, so what did he do in the Air Force? Well, he, uh, you know, he uh, oh, remained an air crewman for a while. And uh, they said, you know, and then uh, I think he, uh, it was, he, he became too old to get back into the pilot, uh, the pilot pipeline. <laughs> Okay. And so uh, he just ended up in the, the rest of his career, you know, in the logistics field, basically. And, uh, you know, and that's, uh, 
you know, we traveled around, uh, you know, the different, most of the different command bases, you know, that needed stuff like that. So, so I was, I was an air force brat also. And I always, I like to ask the other brats, what, uh, where was your favorite and least favorite duty stations when you were a kid? I say that absolutely. The favorite one was, uh, uh we got stationed in uh, Keflavik, Iceland for oh, two wow. years. Uh, uh, dad was on the Iceland defense force and, uh, we were, uh, I think I was in junior high school, just starting high school. And, uh, my brothers, of course, were younger and, and it was just great. I mean, uh, first of all, there was a lot, a, a lack of supervision because of, uh, my dad was on the staff. So they were always at parties and stuff or embassy stuff in Reykjavik. So, uh, we were kind of left to our own devices, you know, on base and everything. And, uh, and we took advantage of it. <laughs> <laughs> And then did you have a place that you didn't oh, like? The, uh, the least was probably the, the last assignment that my dad had was in uh, Dayton, Ohio. He was stationed at Wright Pat. And uh, I, you know, we came there and I was right in the middle of my uh, sophomore year. And then I changed high schools, you know, uh, yeah. right at the end of my uh, junior year and then went to, uh, uh, you know, uh, he was going to go to Vietnam. And so we uh, got on to base housing and then, uh, you know, so in the last year I went to a different high school and, and then he decided to, to get out. So that's, uh, that's where he retired. And then I left, uh, you know, I left to go, go to school. Now you didn't go straight to Air Force. No, I didn't. Uh, you know, I went to, um, you know, in my high school, you know, in my high school, I kind of foundered in my, uh, in my ambitions a little bit, you know, and, uh, you know, I kind of got into more of the, I guess, the party mode and stuff like that, or, so, uh, you know, I kind of didn't apply for the academy right out of high school. And uh, I ended up going to uh, BYU in Utah for a year. And then uh, when I got there, you know, I'm going, well, you know what, this ROTC stuff, let's check it out. And I got, you know, pretty heavy in the ROTC and I liked it. And uh, they had um, uh, some slots available to the academy that I could try out for. And I was very fortunate and lucky enough to uh, get one of those. And so I ended up at the academy after uh, a year at BYU. So you went for, from ROTC to the academy. I didn't know they had that option. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they had, uh, I think they had 100 slots for uh, ROTC cadets uh, at universities across the nation. You know, every year they had that. And so, like I said, I was just, you know, I, I tried for it, you know, and uh, uh, I got it. <laughs> and did, then, so from BYU to the uh, Dooley summer, that must have been quite a transition. Yeah, it was and it wasn't, you know, and, uh, and the reason being is because, uh, you know, we grew up in a pretty strict household. You know, my dad, of course, was a military guy and he wasn't, he wasn't around a lot, but my mother, you know, she grew, uh, she was from uh, German parents and uh, they were from Munich. She grew up in Munich. In fact, she was uh, there during the war and everything. And so uh, she definitely ruled the, uh, the family with iron pants when my dad wasn't there. So, you know, that first, uh, first year in uh, eight squadron, you know, getting yelled at and everything like that, you know, I was just sitting there going, well, this is bad, but you know what? I've been doing this for 19 years, so it's not that bad. You know? man, mom was tough. <laughs> yeah, mom was tough. She was a, she was a tough old bird. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> well, th and then it must've been a, a real tough transition to go from that the dual year thing into our insane posse of pink panthers well kind of well and then and then again not because uh you know i guess i picked up from my dad my dad was kind of a party animal on the side and <laughs> and well you know me i was kind of like a party animal too so getting to, with the group of guys that love to have a lot of fun like the guys in the, the uh, pink panthers did 
I mean, that was an easy transition for me. Well, I, so. I gotta, I gotta credit you with helping me graduate. I, I know this is going to sound weird, but my best semester of academics was the semester you and I were roommates. Is that right? And then and outside of that, everything you know, was a crap show. Well, but, if you if you knew how my first semester at the academy went, you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't say that. You no, know, I'm, I, not, I, I'm not saying that you that you were. I mean, I'm just saying for whatever reason, you and I clicked to where I got my best grades, and then, and then I lived off of those that over two O GPA until they finally did oh, check and they gave me a diploma. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm glad uh, I'm glad that worked out that way for you. I, I remember uh, during uh, you know uh, as we got we got later on at the academy. The, I know the uh, the sophomore year was kind of uh, kind of rough, but uh, you know I was trying to buck my uh, grades up a little bit the last two years, so I was, I was studying a little bit more than I definitely did the, the first two years, and definitely the first year, uh, my dually year was not a good year academically for me. <laughs> And was that because they were distracting with all the military stuff? Well, and that kind of, you know, eight squadron was uh, eight squadron was a really tough squadron to go through for uh, for duallys. I mean, they did not uh, make it easy on you there. But then again, too, I, you know, I I came from um, BYU and I I did fairly well academically there, and it was fairly easy for me to get you know, and I carried you know some you know decent hours at in, at BYU. So I figured, well, you know what? I mean, the academy's kind of like that too. So, you know, I was getting through it. And then during uh, what killed me was the finals, because uh, uh, <laughs> rather than doing studying all the time, uh, I remember Dave Connors was in on this and a couple other guys. We played brisk. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when the Camp grades, when the, yeah, when, when the grades came out, yeah, we got blown off the map. <laughs> you know? So I spent the, the second semester on academic probation. <laughs> Well, I, I, yeah, I, I, as did I, <laughs> uh, that was also the year you, uh, cause I think your folks, for whatever reason, they moved to sea Springs, right? Yeah. My dad retired at sea Springs. Uh, when, when they retired from Wright Pat, they moved to uh, Colorado Springs and, uh, they wanted to retire there because they, uh, you know, we had lived there, you know, in the early sixties, you know, when he was stationed out at, uh, uh, NORAD. And, uh, so they, that's where they chose. And that's what made, my dually year, uh, uh, a little bit more palpable because, uh, you know, as, uh, as we got on there, you know, we, uh, remember at that time we had to go through, uh, uh, we had to go to, uh, chapel every Sunday. Yeah. But, uh, you know, since, uh, you know, my dad was Mormon and everything. So we're figuring, well, you know, well, let's take advantage of this and you could go off base and go to a Mormon chapel. So, uh, you know, I'd, uh, I, I could get a, a church pass where I can't remember what they called it, but, uh, you know, and basically be for the afternoon to go to this, uh, go to a church. And then of course, you know, as soon as we got done with that and we're getting ready to go back to the Academy, mom would have a big dinner made up and everything like that. So I got a free meal and then, uh, I started inviting a lot of my classmates there. So, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, my parents well, started, started complaining at the end. They're going, God, we thought you were going through a free education and <laughs> we're ending up paying more money on food than, than we would have, than we ever would have. Yeah. But they're so, keeping people alive because that, yeah. <laughs> that dual year was pretty rough. Yeah, it was. <laughs> well, and then, and that was also let you have a car the whole time. Well, yeah. And that's, and that's why my brothers hated me while I was at the Academy because uh, we had a, uh, uh, an old Volkswagen that, uh, and, uh, Basically, dad, you know, I mean, he goes, yeah, when uh, Steve's home, you know, he gets the car. And uh, my two brothers were 
perennially pissed over that. (laughs) (laughs) Then you, you took uh, me and many others up skiing. I mean, I got introduced to skiing by you taking me to the top of Breckenridge and saying, see at the lodge. (laughs) Uh, And that's how, and that's how I got my first, uh, you know, uh, uh, first uh, uh, thing on skiing uh, experience and skiing was uh, uh, my uh, classmates in uh, in the eight squadron. You know they uh, they got me all set up with skis and everything. We dropped off. I fell off the lift right when we got to the top. And they said, "See you at the bottom." And I went maybe about a hundred yards down, and I broke the bindings on my ski. I was so mad, I had to walk all the way back down to get it fixed. So, well, I, but, uh, I didn't break the bindings, but I broke everything else that fell. Off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and then, and then, uh, uh, so what did you do in the different summers? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, you know uh, what I really liked to do was, uh, and I did it two summers. Was uh, I, I really liked Syria as a uh, as a, uh, a freshman or going through? I mean, after your freshman year, I, I really liked Syria. I mean, uh, really? Yeah, because when I was a kid, you know, uh, I loved camping out. I, uh, you know, I loved hunting and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, when we went through, you know, as a kid. I was the guy that did all the killing and all the butchering and all that kind of stuff. And that stuff was great for me. And then, uh, of course, you know, going through the actual uh, resistance part of it, that wasn't any fun. But uh, come on, I know your mom was hard. Come on. Yeah, well, you know, I kept thinking, you know, my mom always used to tell us when we were kids, you know, because, uh, you know, they got bombed out. I don't know how many times over there, you know, during the war and stuff. And she always used to tell us, you don't know how good you have it. You don't know how good you have it. And so I remember thinking that, you know, you don't know how good you have it. You know, I was going through that, you know, thinking it's going to get better. And uh, it did. <laughs> that's, that's that. And then so you were you an instructor later? Yeah, I can't. I went back as uh, an instructor, uh, survival instructor. And then uh I guess I was a flight commander, I guess, during my, between my junior and senior year. And I, I just thoroughly enjoyed that. You know, you know, the, the resistance part, you know, there were guys that loved to do that kind of stuff. Uh, I remember our classmate, remember Wei P. Moy? Yeah. He, yeah, I know. He was the one that was doing all the announcing in Chinese, you know, that was really freaking everybody out during the, during the thing. But uh, I, I just enjoyed instructing guys, you know, and getting them, you know, teaching them how to uh, live off the land and, you know, how to navigate, you know, by themselves and at night, all that kind of stuff. I, I just really got off on that stuff. And then did you do third lieutenant? Did you, was that special? Yeah, third lieutenant, you know, was kind of a letdown. I did it between, uh, I think it was between my second and third, uh, maybe the third and second class year. Or the th- anyway, you know, we went down to um, Homestead and uh, I was really excited about it because uh, we were going to an F4 unit and, uh, and we got down there and it was like, you know, we went into the, um, you know, get the commanders in brief. And there was a guy, uh, there was a commander there. God, I'll think of his name in a minute. I think it was Cunningham. Uh, but uh, this guy was a 59 grad and I walked in there and I just gotten off Siri and everything, or I'd gotten off, you know, uh, summer program, you know, my hair is short and all that kind of stuff. And the captain that brought me in there, you know, this guy looks at us, Canterbury, Hank Canterbury, 19, uh, 59 grad. He was a, uh, uh, Thunderbird guy also Thunderbird lead also. Anyway, right. he looks at both of us and then he goes to the captain. He goes, captain, I want you to go down and get a haircut and take that smack down with you. <laughs> and I, I mean, I was sitting there, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and so, so, so we went down to get a haircut and then we went back and, and talked to him and everything. And then he's just saying, okay, well, you know, we're really tight on flying and everything like that. I don't know if we're going to be able to get you a ride or anything like that. And 
I talked to my classmates and stuff and they were getting like tons of rides and, you know, wherever they went, you know, for flying, you know, flying rides. And, yeah. but uh, what they did do was uh, my uh, seeing eye captain opened up the simulator for me. So I spent virtually every day <laughs> in a simulator, you know, uh, playing around, learning, you know, flying it and stuff like that. And then I did get one ride. And in fact, Hank Canterbury was uh, leading and this was a really good ride too. Cause uh, there was a guy, uh, Colonel Pollard, who was a, POW. And right at that time, they were retraining POWs that had come over from uh, Vietnam uh, and they were rechecking them out in the F4. And this guy, I mean, uh, who uh, Colonel Pollard, who flew there, I mean, I talked with him beforehand and everything. He was really a nice guy, very gentle and all that kind of stuff, kind of quiet. We got in the airplane, we flew a two ship and uh, and then uh, my, my captain, a guy named Dick Lane was... Uh, we were leading and then we were leading, uh, you know, the Colonel and, uh, Hank Canterbury was in the back seat. And so we're, we take off, we're doing flying fingertip flying. And then, uh, Dick was going, Hey, uh, let, let's see what he can do. And we got up to five G's and this guy was in fingertip. Like he wasn't even an inch out of position. And, uh, we went in for a, uh, a wing approach, you know, at the end and the guy wasn't out of, wasn't out of position a half an inch. And then we were doing a tactical formation flying around. The guy was in position the whole time. So we landed and everything. And, uh, you know, we're in the debriefing and everything. And, uh, you know, Dick talked, uh, uh, asked the Colonel, he said, Hey, you know, uh, how in the hell did you do so good? And the guy goes, you know, I spent six years in solitary. I've flown this mission a thousand times. Yeah. And, and I, man, I was just floored. I, that was the coolest thing. That's great. That, that's a neat uh, lesson to take with you going forward. Too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah. He, uh, it was, you know, and, you know, yeah, really my time there down there was good. I mean, I got to do a lot of stuff, you know, and, uh, but the flying was, uh, it was a little, uh, a little sketchy on the flying, but, uh, you know, the rest of it, you know, I got a good taste of, uh, what it was going to be like in the air force. Okay. So you get back to the zoo and you're in a squadron that where the guys are out doing wild things every night. Did you take partake in any of those wild events? Yeah, I think I did. I think I planned a lot of those things too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, well, like I said, you know, when uh, we were, uh, you know, after coming out of, uh, eight squadron and everything we kind of lit our hair on fire especially that first uh semester when we got into uh the 36th and i remember streaking was big at that time and we going down and streaking uh you know streaking the command post and mooning the command post and uh i remember making spirit signs and all that kind of stuff and uh so just about every weekend during that fall we were out doing something that was really cool Remember the uh, painting, the AOC office pink? I thought that was great. Oh, God, <laughs> I, no, I didn't plan that one out. <laughs> but I believe that was uh, well, that was my introduction. There, yeah. <laughs> what a cool group! Because that was a very clever thing with the trap door and the ceiling, and, uh, and well that was uh, that was a uh, Humberto Alvarez's office, right? Yep. Yeah, I remember. Uh... <laughs> I remember when he poisoned the squadron and it was you and I, there was about six of us went skiing that weekend and we didn't get, uh, we didn't drink the poison. <laughs> no, but we had to deal with the guys who did remember the latrines and the hallways were just, I remember, I remember oh. coming back that night. We came back on Sunday night, you know, I mean, obviously Sunday afternoon from skiing. And then, uh, you know, uh, I went to take a shower at tattoo, you know, before going to uh, bed and all of a sudden, I mean, the stalls are all filled up, you know, and guys are in there 
puking in the sink and everything. What is going on here? And uh, people are running back and forth, you know. And uh, so uh, I guess the next day they quarantined the squadron. I mean, they had so many guys going down to sick call. And they quarantined the squadron because they thought that there was a big outbreak of something or, an, or another. There was. <laughs> <laughs> but remember, remember, remember old uh, Major Alvarez, he did not, I mean, he did not admit that it was, uh, you know, a broken, uh, I guess it was a broken uh, pot, piece of pottery that he had the, the cider in that cost it. <laughs> well, I just, I just remember, so I've, I've learned later that um, some of the squadrons that had our same demeanor and academic prowess got broken up pretty badly after after junior year and we didn't and we got a new aoc and i think we were able to hold the uh quarantine thing over alvarez so he couldn't break us up you know what that funny you should say that too because um for some reason uh major wilcox was the guy yeah he uh he called me up or got in touch with me and i was doing i uh, was doing siri and uh he asked me to meet him in his office and uh so we were talking and he just asked me, what kind of squadron is this? How's your class doing and everything like that? And, <laughs> and, and we were just, you know, just talking and everything like that. And I told him, you know, how much fun we were having, what a good class it was. And he goes, yeah, but you're not very good academically. And I go, well, you know what? I mean, you know, some guys are struggling a little bit, but everybody, you know, I mean, their heart's in the right place, you know, and, and, uh, you know, but, you know, he, he turned out to be a really good, you know, AOC, I thought. Because, I mean, he he'd never been associated with academy stuff or anything like that, so he wasn't really like tainted in his outlook, and and he thought cadets were basically good, like other unlike other AOCs that you know knew that cadets were bad, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, and and but by that time we were firsties, and yeah. you know we we did stuff and we planned things for the squad. Remember, we used to go to Farish a lot. And we planned, uh, you know, outings like we went up to uh, the United Flight Test Center in Denver, you know, to do a, uh, you know, show cadets, uh, you know, guys, uh, the United, uh, the, the TK, the Temple of Knowledge, you know, their uh, training center. Uh, we got to do that one time and then the academy said we couldn't do that anymore. And I can see why, because uh, here we are, uh, cadets and everything, getting ready to go into the Air Force. And then we're already looking at the airlines and stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah. I guess that didn't go over too well, but. But no, uh, Major Wilcox, and he liked the, he really liked our squadron, and uh, he really liked uh, he liked our class too. He thought we had a lot of spirit, and he made you a squadron commander, right? Yeah, uh, I don't know uh, that came out of the blue, and uh, but uh, you know what? I kept in touch with uh, Major Wilcox for several years after uh, after I graduated, and his wife, and they were super super nice people, and in fact, uh, he became a realtor in Colorado Springs when he retired, and. Uh, I used him to buy a, uh, I went in uh, and bought a house with my brother in the Springs and he was the, uh, the realtor, but he, uh, he was just a really nice guy and he, and he spoke always well of that first year he was a, an AOC and how much fun he had, you know, in the 36. Wow. That's, that's surprising. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Like you said, you know, a lot of the other AOCs, you know, I remember guys talking, God, man, this guy's like uh, captain Bly, you know, but, Major Wilcox, I mean, he was kind of tough and everything, but he wasn't, I mean, he was just a normal guy, you know? Well, I felt like he, we shocked him because he was a super clean cut character. And very we were, good. Yeah. Very, very, very and we were so. We were kind of the opposite. So to hear that he thought he had fun with us, I, I cringe because I, I remember we fingers on the chalkboard. You could just see him 
getting all awkward whenever we would start blithering about. I think, I think we did overwhelm him a little bit because, you know, uh, our class especially, you know, was pretty strong willed. I mean, at that time, you know, and, uh, but I think what, I think what really kind of opened his eyes a little bit, we went up to Farish that, that fall and everybody was pretty wild up there, you know, and uh, he was just kind of like going, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) And So after that, he kind of like, you know, he kind of got his, uh, I guess he got his uh, got his sea legs with the squatter in there, and he kind of like you know uh, exerted a little bit more control and everything. But, but oh, yeah. I, I really I really thought you know of the three AOCs that I was associated with there. I thought he was the best. So uh, after the squatting commander role, you became the group. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase. No, this was as a, as a juniors. You were the group guy in charge of getting cars. Oh no, yeah, that was uh, yeah, I was vice president of the car committee and. Uh, that was uh that was really a cool thing yeah yeah Yeah. and uh, we worked out a deal with uh steve johnson pontiac at colorado springs and you know everybody the remember we we could only get a loan up to fifty five hundred dollars i believe or five thousand dollars and the vets at that time were were right around seventy five you know seven thousand seventy five so you know that put it out of reach for a lot of uh you know a lot of cadets so uh I remember I went down and talked to uh, uh, Steve Johnson and his fleet manager uh, one day, and I explained the situation. I said, you know, uh, guys always buy vets, you know, and he's going, well, I know we, uh, we know that, but we, we think we can offer a better product, you know, and I'm going, well, here's the deal. And I laid out, you know, uh, told him, uh, you know, what we, uh, cadets can get for a loan and everything. And he goes, let's see what we can do. And so he worked it out so that, uh, you know, that uh, he gave the... Uh, deep enough discounts where cadets could get it and just get a loan without having to, uh, you know, dip into their savings or anything like that. And, uh, that guy, Steve Johnson, uh, he made dealership of the year for Pontiac (laughs) over that thing. Well, that's because you, yeah, you, you gave him the idea. (laughs) I think, I think he sold, I, uh, don't quote me. It was something around 570 cars he sold. Now, now tell, tell them about the trip. Didn't you guys go back there? Yeah, well, I didn't get a chance to go back. Uh, and this was a couple other guys that planned this out. But we uh, we chartered two jets to take everybody up there. And then we uh, worked on And the academy was, uh, the powers of be at the academy were really worried about cadets, you know, after uh, finals <laughs> are over and everything, driving all the way back from Flint, Michigan to uh, to Colorado Springs, you know. And they were figuring guys would be, you know, doing crazy stuff, you know, and getting in wrecks and everything like that. The cadets? Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, they figured, yeah, these guys are going to light their hair on fire with these Trans Ams and everything like that, you know, burn up the road. So what we did was, to placate that, we contacted the Department of Safety or the Highway Patrol for every single state. And we told them that this is the route, and we had maps and everything where the guys had to go on these routes. And, uh, and just uh, and they and they had increased trooper, uh, you know, troopers on, uh, you know, patrol there. And it wasn't to harass cadets or anything, but it was just to to be there in case something happened. You know, maybe a breakdown or anything like that. But just a trooper sitting on the side of the road is going to cause somebody to slow down anyway. Well, it's like a giant parade. Yeah, exactly. And and that's what it was. And uh, but you know what? I didn't finish my. I was going to go up with that, but I didn't finish my finals in time, and so. I had to pick my my car up at Steve Johnson's. Ah, well, that's all right. You still got a car. Yeah, I still got it. Yeah. And then um, 
let's see, what was the other one? Oh, the, the other comical story that I remember, now maybe you remember it differently, and I want to hear your version of it, was you trying to get qualified to be a pilot our first year. Oh, God. Well, there were, <laughs> well, uh, uh, there, were two, there were two things. There, there were two things that, that happened to me. One was yeah. uh, at the academy, um, our final physical, our flight physical, I was too tall. And I was 39 and a half inches tall and the sitting height was 39. And they, uh, I mean, if you, if you didn't meet any, any standard at that time, I mean, the, the air force at that time had a million pilots and everything and you were out. So it was like, geez, you know, what am I going to do? So, uh, you know, I talked to major Wilcox and, you know, he talked to people and then there were other guys in that boat that were like, you know, especially basketball players and stuff and football players that, you know, were high and football players that were wide too. You know, they had, you know, even width requirements and all that kind of stuff. So uh, what the Academy did was uh, they brought T-37 and T-38 out to Pete field. And then one day they said, okay, everybody got, uh, we got on a bus and then we went out there, but that night before, and this is no kidding what I did. I stood on my head in my room for about four <laughs> or five hours. And then when, when we, when we got down to the bus, they had the fly surgeon there. He measured us and I was 38 and a half inches tall. <laughs> you had compressed an inch. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, you know, we went down there and they measured us, you know, got in the jet and everything like that. And that was okay. But the second time that I, that I thought I was really going to get kicked out and Greg Lewis's dad helped me out on this. Uh, we got down to pilot training in uh, Del Rio and uh, about halfway through, I was in T-38s and uh, we had our, our flight, phys- my, uh, my flight physical. And of course I had an EKG and everything. And the next morning I get a call back from the flight surgeon's office to go down and see him. So I go down there and the guy goes, uh, you're grounded. I go, what? He's gone. This EKG is just, it, it's off the charts. There, there's something wrong with it. They took another one. They said, yeah, look, it's the same thing. You know, it says uh, you're grounded. I was devastated. You know, I, I didn't know what to do, man. I, and I left, I left the building crying. You know, I, I thought this is it. I mean, my whole life is, is, uh, going down in flames in front of me. So, uh, I got back to my queue room there and, uh, I called up Greg Lewis and I go, Greg, and I explained the story to him. I go and, and Greg's dad, I think at that time was director of personnel at the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Greg says, let me talk to dad. The next morning I get a call from uh, the flight surgeon's office to come down there. And, uh, like at eight o'clock. So I show up there and, and the sergeant is standing there and he goes, do you know a general? And I go, <laughs> <laughs> and I go, I don't know. You know, I don't know. He goes, some general called down from the Pentagon yesterday and, uh, asked about your case. And so they shuffle me into the flight surgeon's office and he's got, he's got my folder right there. And he goes, you have an appointment 11 o'clock at, uh, Lackland air force base. Can you make it? You know, it was a three hour drive from uh, Del Rio. And I go, yes, I can make it. So, uh, I ran, a, I, I raced up to Lackland and, uh, I got a, an appointment with the, uh, uh, command or the, the head, uh, cardiologist. So he's looking over my records and everything, you know, and he's, we're talking flying and all that kind of stuff. He was a flight surgeon. And then he gives me an EKG and he looks at it and he goes, I don't see anything wrong here. He goes, uh, you know, there, there was a little anomaly, but he goes, it's nothing bad. He goes, <laughs> it, it's okay. And he goes, uh, you're clear back on flying status. And I mean, it was like the weight was lifted off my shoulders. Oh, so yeah. then he goes, uh, he hands me my folder and he goes, hey, here's, here's the record of all this stuff. He goes, uh, you can take it back down to Del Rio if you want. And then he goes, it's a pretty hot day out today, isn't it? 
And I'm going, well, yeah, I mean, what's that got to do with it? And he's going, you normally drive with your windows open when you, uh, when you go when it's hot outside, right? And then he's looking at me and he's looking at the folder and everything. Ah, uh, he wants to blow out. <laughs> <laughs> Lose the so guess what? All of this, uh, magically that uh, my, uh, my folder with all that information on it flew out the window, you know, and uh, I got back down to Del Rio, you know, and I checked into the flight surgeon's office. He goes, where's your folder? And I go, I lost it. And the guy looks at me, starts laughing. He goes, you're cleared, go. And so, so I owe, uh, I owe Greg's dad a, well, I did. I, and I thanked him in person too on that, uh, a huge vote of thanks for uh, going to bat for me for that. I would, I would not have, I didn't have the moxie or the, the brain power to call up Greg's dad when I was in, in the middle of junior year and they took away my pilot calls, but I did end up. <laughs> well, you know, I'd, I'd known Greg, you know, I'd, uh, Greg was in my pilot training class, you know, and, yeah. uh, and, you know, and, I, and we palled we piled around a lot, you know, and I went over to his, you know, his house, you know, and had dinner with him and his wife a lot and stuff. So I knew Greg pretty well. I mean, I don't think I would have done it to any, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have the guts, you know, to, you know, to, you know, to, you know, to, to ask someone else to do that. But I thought maybe Greg could just, and, uh, General Lewis, I mean, he came right through and, uh, he came to our graduation and spoke. Yeah. And uh, then I went up to visit him. Uh, we, uh, him and Greg uh, went up with Greg to uh, uh, Virginia, where he lived. And uh, Greg's dad showed us around the Pentagon, and uh, we even got to eat in the general's uh, restaurant up there, whatever it is, the dining hall. It was huh. pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. So you stayed at Reese after you got your wings? Uh, I was at Laughlin, and uh, yeah, that was another thing. I, you know, I wanted. To, well, I mean, it's not a thing, but. You know, I guess a minor blip. Um, you know, uh, I wanted an F4E in the absolute worst way. Well, actually, I wanted an F105, but they weren't they weren't giving out F105s to uh, you know recent pilot uh, pilot grads. But uh, you know, F4Es. I mean, I had I lived breathed uh, an F4E, and uh, right before the assignment drop and everything, uh, I got called into the squadron commander's office. He was kind of cryptic, and he goes. What would you, would you kill yourself if you got, you know, if you, if you had to come back to be an instructor and everything. And I, and I told him, I said, look, I'll, I'll sign a paper saying that I'll come back in three years after I do my first assignment as an uh, F4E guy. But, you know, I mean, I really want to be a, I want to really want to be a fighter pilot and everything. And, uh, and the guy just smiles and he goes, well, he goes, yeah, well, we'll see what we can do. And then of course I got a T-38 instructor yeah. and it wasn't, it wasn't the end of the world by any stretch of the imagination. I, I very, very much enjoyed that three years that I instructed in T-38s and uh, we had a great squadron at, uh, down there. And, uh, you know, it was just a, it was a, it was a good time. It was a good, uh, good experience for me. And I was fortunate enough that uh, when the assignment drop came down for uh, my follow on assignment, I got an F-15. So, uh, you know, things all fell into place somehow. And I think, I think, if I read this right, you and I overlapped on a, on a uh, exercise once when you were in Kadena. Oh yeah, we yeah uh, we we did a lot of uh, cool stuff with the Navy and everything, and uh, at Kadena and well, of course, down at uh, the Philippines and Crow Valley Range and stuff like that. Yeah. And then. Uh, where we really did a lot of stuff was uh, team spirit up in uh, Korea. Okay. And, and uh, we did a fleet attack one day. And uh, I mean, it was a humbling experience for us because, well, they had the F-14s at that time. And then, you know, all the phalanx of ships and everything that are all surrounding the, uh, yeah. you know, the flagship and everything. And 
so we decided, you know, we'd, we'd send guys in at a hundred feet, you know, to try to shoot, you know, shoot down the flagship. That didn't work. We went up, we went up to 55,000 feet and we're coming in and we're shot down a hundred miles away. But yeah. I remember seeing, you know, I mean, I could see that whole flotilla out there. I mean, it was like world war two. It was so cool looking. You know? it's, it's called normal ops. <laughs> <laughs> and we did get uh, our uh, squadron commander when I was at, uh, uh, when we were there at Kadena, his, uh, really good friend of his was, uh, squadron commander or a skipper of the, uh, I think it was a Jolly Rogers, uh, squadron. Uh, and they were down in uh, Subic on the Ranger and, uh, they hosted us down there and, uh, we spent the whole day going through the ship, you know, had lunch on the ship, the whole nine yards. And then, uh, we drew straws to see who would get a week's you know, cruise, you know, with the ship, uh, <laughs> when they left, uh, Manila or, uh, Kubik yeah. to go up to Kuska. And so one of the guys in our squadron got it and he said it, it was the best, uh, you know, the best experience. And he got like, <laughs> he flew every day and, you know, yeah. got to everything. It's the greatest thing since sliced bread, but yeah. we had, a, we had a lot of fun with the Navy and the Marines I, too. I got my last, uh, cat or tra- trap on the Ranger. Uh, the, my last night one on the ranger oh in is the, that right <laughs> in the reserves it was a taxi one it was bad <laughs> <laughs> oh i'll tell you man i not gonna make the reserves do uh, night stuff anymore that that's not that's not fun for anybody yeah. uh, cool uh so so kadena for a couple of years and then back- yeah okay I, I extended to kadena it was only a one-year assignment and we were having, having such a good time there and that was definitely the pinnacle of my 10-year career in the Air Force was uh, the time at Kadena. And we had a, a fantastic wing. I have never heard of anybody, uh, you know, the friends that I talked to, classmates that had been in other wings, could not say anything or did not say anything about their wing like we could say about ours. And in my squadron specifically, we had an absolutely super group of guys. And, and in that squadron of 22 guys, uh, there, there came out of it two four-star generals, one three-star, two two-stars, and a one one-star. Out of 22 guys, wow. that is just, that is amazing. And one of those uh, four-stars is uh, Kevin Chilton, our classmate. Okay. Yeah, well, Chili, yeah. Oh, he, and he, went, he also got in the, in the higher altitude stuff, right? Yeah, oh yeah, man, Chili, uh, <laughs> yeah, Chili, yeah. Uh, and I, I, uh, I, uh, I see him uh, when I get up to Colorado Springs and stuff and I go out with him and his wife, Kathy, out to dinner and then with my brother, too. My brother's big into military stuff in uh, Colorado Springs. So he uh, rubs shoulders with all those retired uh, Air Force guy, on Army guys up there. All the multi-star guys, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. My brother's got stars in his eyes. Now, that, that was another. he was a guy that should have gone into the military because he always loved it. But he was six foot seven, so he was kind of limited, you know. Uh, you know, and height wise and stuff to get into the military. So, the nuggets. <laughs> but he's, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's more than made up for it. I mean, he is, he's big into the military affairs in, uh, from Colorado Springs, kind of a late liaison between the city and, uh, the military bases there. And he works uh, closely with, uh, both the Army and the Air Force. Interesting. Yeah. Very cool. So, after Kadena, I see that you went to Luke. Yep. Uh, I was really fortunate to get a follow on a, a flying follow on assignment and, uh, that kind of, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a letdown, you know, uh, after coming from PACAF, I mean, the attitude in PACAF was, you know, and our, my, my squadron commander used to tell, tell us this at briefings, you know, he, he goes, here's the keys to your jet. You know, the mission, you know how to fly it safely. 
don't bend any metal, but if you do bring me back a piece of ass to chew on. Yeah. And that, and that's basically how they ran the operation over in uh, PACAV. And we got things done. But when we got to TAC, everything was parochial by the book and everything. And I remember I, on the wing commander in brief, I went in with a uh, classmate, Dave Robinson. And uh, he was he came in from uh, uh, Eglin. So we got we went in there and we're talking and everything. And the guy's looking at my folder and he goes, oh, I see you're from uh, Kadena, PACAF. And he turns his chair and faces to me and then spends the next uh, 15 minutes telling me how I can't instruct PACAF tactics. This is TAC and this has got to be the way that we're going to do the way the TAC way. And I better get that PACAF freewheeling style out of my head. And I hadn't even done anything. You know? <laughs> so, he knew, knew what was coming. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> so, I, you know, after that, I kind of got to in and things things were just kind of uh, a little bit different. In fact, the air division commander there was Hank Canterbury, the same squadron commander that I flew with that sent me to get a haircut when I was down in Eglin as a, uh, a cadet. Wow. Yeah. Small world. And he was, yeah, he wasn't very, and he wasn't very popular there either. And uh, so does that kind of what got you to leave early? Well, you know, yeah, there was a myriad of things, you know, I went to, uh, uh, you know, like everybody, I was getting my master's degree in, uh, in business administration. And then uh, for my master's thesis or my master's project, uh, a buddy of mine, and uh, we, we went over to uh, Tempe uh, and America West had just started up a couple of years for, uh, prior. So we got a, a, a uh, interview with Ed Beauvais, the uh, CEO and founder of uh, America West. And, uh, man, we spent all night talk with him about, you know, airline stuff and how the airlines work and all that. And, you know, and that was my paper. And then, uh, you know, guys were getting hired by America West out of, uh, out of Luke. And then guys were getting hired. You know, we were training guys from, uh, transitioning squadrons, especially when the Kunas militia down in uh, New Orleans. And, uh, those guys were either, uh, you know, uh, Delta pilots on the side, or they were American pilots. So they would come into briefing, you know, and they'd be passing out applications for everybody, you know, and resume, you know, you'd be handing resumes back and forth. And uh, so, you know, I just on a lark, I did it. And then I wasn't really sure I wanted to go to the airlines and I wasn't a hundred percent sure I even wanted to get out at that point. But, um, you know, I, I was also, I, I also kind of got headhunted a little bit from uh, civilian stuff and, uh, so I was just kind of, I was a little bit getting disillusioned, I guess, with the Air Force and, uh, and everybody Steve, that was getting out. Back, huh? It all goes back to your cadet days, man. You, yeah, you it was. You went United and had I a fun lost. weekend and yeah. went down to Homestead <laughs> and had a miserable time. Man. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I, I, you know, I pulled the trigger, you know, uh, with another, uh, another friend of mine, a 75 grad, you know, I both together were going, well, you know what, let's do it, you know, and, uh. So we did. And then, uh, he got out a little bit before me and a lot, and there were a lot of guys that got out before me. I, I waited to finish up my master's degree before I got out. Okay. And then, um, uh, by the time I, by the time I got out, you know, I couldn't get it. I couldn't get into any of the F-15 units. They were all filled up, you know, for a reserve. And so, uh, yeah, I'm sitting there going, God, I don't want to, I don't want to go over to the A-10 or something. I'll just wait a while. But by that time I was upgrading, you know, to uh, first officer and, at, at American, so I kind of let it slide. And that's probably the one biggest regret is I didn't uh, continue on uh, doing something with the Air Force, you know, anyway, for the remainder of the 10 years or whatever. Yeah. You know, because I really did like the Air Force. I mean, the Air Force was very, very good to me. I, I, I can't complain at all. I mean, my career 
from the 10 years that I was in, you know, it was, it was golden, you know, and I, I got a lot out of it. I, uh, I enjoyed doing the things I did, you know, I enjoyed contributing to the effort and, uh, you know, it was a noble cause. Man. Well, and it sets you on a path for a very long and successful airline. Yeah. Pilot. You know, and I mean, um, you know, I, I think the, the regret kind of is, you know, when you're in the air force, I mean, you're doing things, uh, you don't do things for yourself in the Air Force. You do things for other people or your unit or, you know, you're part of a team that's part of a mission. And you're, it's not the individual. It's the group, you know, that is important in the, in the military. When you get out in the civilian world, it's, it's kind of the opposite. It's the individual kind of comes first. And then, you know, the group kind of comes in second and stuff like that. And that was, uh, that was kind of a big shock, you know, that, you know, there weren't guys taking care of you like, uh, out in the civilian world like there is in the military. In the military, someone always has your back and you have someone else's back. And that's very, that's very comforting. That's very, uh, I mean, that's, that's something that you want. In the civilian world, it's a lot, you know, guys may have your back, but they may have a knife ready to stab you, you know, if, it, if you're going to step in their way or something like that, you know. So you kind of have to be a little more political, I guess. Well, and the big difference is you don't get to pull five G's. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I kind of, uh, I kind of, I kind of got around that too, because, uh, you know, after a while, you know, I wanted to get back into some kind of flying, you know, other than just, uh, you know, sitting there droning through the skies, you know, twiddling my thumbs. So uh, I ended up buying a Cessna 182 and, and refurbishing that, you know, and getting that all flying. And then I got a wild hair that I wanted a warbird. So of course, you know, you can't afford, you know, anything you know, really, you know, I mean, a, a fighter warbird, but I ended up getting a, an old Stearman and, uh, you know, worked on that and got that thing flying. And so I could do all my acro in that thing. And that was a lot of fun. Cool. So, so I, I always like to also, uh, the flyers, at least, did you have any close calls you want to share? Close, close calls flying. Yeah. Uh, probably one in the military. Uh, I was at Luke and, uh, this was a, uh, yeah, a bunch of IPs flying together like it normally is. And, uh, well, uh, the student had aborted. Uh, and um, so uh, we were we were supposed to go up on a three-ship mission. Uh, it was me and my student. And then we were going up against an F-4, uh, you know, and uh, 2v1. And it was the students, uh, it was supposed to have been the student's first, uh, you know, uh, look at uh, dissimilar, com uh, dissimilar combat. Uh, so the student crapped out. So, uh, you know, we had a, a, a backup mission employed. Of course, you know, it's F-15 against F-4, you know, really seasoned guys flying to each other. And uh, we got into a dogfight and the Cardinal said it was my fault. I lost sight and I didn't call it out. And uh, I just thinking, well, maybe I'll just see him in just a minute. And it was just a couple of seconds. And mm -hmm. the next time I picked him up, he was coming right over the top of me, inverted. And I could see the... Uh, you know, his uh, knee boards, I could see both guys looking up at me. I'm just going called, knock it off. I go, let's go home. You know, and, uh, it was, that was, uh, that was very, very sobering. And it was especially sobering because about a month prior to that, two guys ran into each other and, uh, killed themselves at Luke. And, uh, when I was at Kadena, two guys fighting together like that killed themselves in my squadron. Well, yeah. one guy, one guy died and uh, the other guy got out. Yeah, you. I, I know. Uh, going through something like that, you uh, you get back to the ground, and then you, then it hits you. Well, oh. you know what? You know when you're fighting like that, you know, uh, and that is something you had to really, really watch when you're when you get wrapped up in a in a in a combat situation like that, getting your fangs out and not fighting smart. 
you know, and not, uh, not following your intuitions and your limitations and the rules and, uh, and they're there for a purpose. And if you don't follow them, you can, you can really lose your ass. And I think that, um, without being too bold about it, but I think Steve's brain had been trained over the years of crap at the Academy and, and through his other experiences to be ready to, to recognize pretty quickly that this was a mistake and to knock it off. Absolutely. You know, uh, and that's, that is one thing that, uh, the Academy, you know, for, I mean, it, it teaches you discipline, uh, self-reliance, confidence, and, uh, teaches you uh, teamwork and, uh, character, you know, and those, those things right there, I, you carry through the rest of your life. And, you know, if, if you let one, if you let one of those things down or you, you don't follow, you know, don't live up to the top or the level of expectation of each, that's when you can get yourself in trouble. So now I guess we're at the end of your flying career where you're into happy retirement now. And yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yes, yeah. yeah, so I got a wild hair and I bought a model T. So I got a, <laughs> uh, an old car and an old man are driving around now. So, uh, I'm, uh, I'm tinkering around with that. And, uh, I've been doing some volunteer work. You know, I've always liked uh, railroads and stuff like that, model railroads and uh, and real-time stuff. So I've been doing a lot of volunteer work down in Colorado, uh, southern Colorado, this old uh, uh, steam railroad and everything. So I've been working there to restore stuff and uh, dose sending and things like that. So that's been kind of fun, too. That's great. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks again for doing this. Well, hey, thanks for uh, calling. I, I, I had a good time talking with you. Mm-hmm.